This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. This is Jackson Riker with WWE, a member of the Forgotten Sons, and you are listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling with your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, our Money in the Bank recap show. My name is Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. And yes, Nick, we are just minutes removed from the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, which was surprisingly short we wanted to time this like when we were gonna do this live stream this uh, this recap episode for the pay-per-view and uh, we're like an hour and something before when we thought we were this was yeah. like two and a half hours three and a half with with pre-show this was a very short ww pay-per-view and they actually still packed in a lot of stuff we had the uh the corporate ladder money in the bank which was a pre-shot match where all of the superstars climbed, supposedly, the the Titan Towers building, WWE's corporate headquarters. We also had a couple of title matches. Overall, a, a pretty breezy pay-per-view, and one that we're about to go through and really dissect right now, Nick. But let's do a little housekeeping before we get into it. Yes, guys, and very quickly, BWOPodcast.com is where you can find links to everything, as well as the description below if you're watching here on YouTube. All of our links for everything are down below. But come join us in Facebook. Just search for Busted Wide Open over there. Like our page. Send us a join request to get into our discussion group with the rest of the phenomenal ones over there. Uh, You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. Subscribe to us here on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. Make sure you turn your notifications on, too, because we put up live things so you get notified whenever we do go live on our typical schedule of Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern and every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern, as well as our patron mailbag AMA episodes that we do. Uh, But to get your questions in for that, you have to be over at Patreon.com slash BWO. Just that $5 tier gets you the ability every single week to send in a question that we ask on that dedicated patron mailbag series also available right here at youtube.com slash busted wide open ian i gotta say that my um my expectations were mixed uh, on this show huh. overall uh but let's get into it let's head over and break down what went down on money in the bank Nick's favorite pay-per-view of the year, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Nick's favorite pay-per-view of the year. And it started off on the pre-show with a surprise match that was announced yesterday. Jeff Hardy versus Cesaro. 
uh, kind of thrown together because Cesaro and Sheamus are still kayfabe, former tag team partners, and Jeff's been having some beef with Sheamus. So, yeah, they're okay. They kind of have some beef, and Jeff's got to get back on the horse. And All right, so we had a match. I got to say, Nick, this match was longer, better, more intense, better worked than I expected. Ten, or, or, tenfold. Or anticipate. Yes. <laughs> I, then on a pre-show match, this is more than I expected. Oh, well, first of this all, was I was expecting solid. the whole MVPR truth thing that came out of nowhere to be on the pre-show. So the fact that this right. was kind of already threw me for a loop. But, I mean, this match, is as well as some of the other ones, over-delivered, in my opinion. I, I wasn't expecting this much out of it, but it was two stiff guys putting on a hell of a match. I really enjoyed well, it. That's it. Yeah, and it was uh, you know it was Jeff taking a lot of punishment. Obviously, his most of his career has been built on being an underdog, and this was no different. Cesaro, you know, basically had an answer for everything of his. Yep. Beat him up, pillar to post, and then Jeff just you know underdogged up, manned up, hit him with a whole bunch of big moves, and at the end, Swanton bomb and Cesaro went down. Uh, I yeah, I have no problems with this all around. Jeff needed a, a good win coming back. He needed to show that he could you know he still had. Had what it takes, if you will. Uh, it was a good way to lead into the Sheamus storyline. It was innocuous. It was there, and it was an entertaining match. So, perfect pre-show fodder, I thought. I really had no problem with it. The good guy won on the pre-show, so we're hyped for the show. Yeah. Nice. Not much Not much more to say about this, except, all right, you know, they threw it at us late last minute. We were shocked by it. It didn't seem to make much sense, but in hindsight, all right, I get it. Yeah. But that was fine. That was fine. It was fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed this match. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was it. And we both picked Jeff to win, so that's also good. Uh, in fact, we picked most of the same thing on this show, Nick. In fact, we picked the, the winners of the next match, the first match on the show, the SmackDown Tag Team title Fatal 4-Way match between the Forgotten Sons, Miz and Morrison, New Day, and the Lucha House Party. Uh, this was... It was a fun match, Nick, but did you think it was essentially a jumped-up like TV match, like a jumped-up SmackDown match? Yeah, because if you listen to our show yesterday, it's ex that's what I said. You ruined it by having that eight-man tag match on SmackDown Friday night. Like that, you, Do you think you that's what did it, or they just didn't? You took a lot of the hype enough. away from it. Like you, you gave us, mm. you gave us the candy before Christmas morning. You know, it's like we 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 got to open all of our presents before Christmas, and then Christmas comes, and you're like. Well, now we ain't got shit to do. So it, that's that's my take on it. I, I didn't. I mean, I, I didn't hate this. I don't like that it pulled the curtain on the show. I think you could have done something. You could have rearranged things a little bit better. I would have swapped this match with, with the what? Tamina Bailey match. I would have opened with Tamina Bailey. Oh God. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And had a heel win, and then oh no, I think that match was right where it was supposed oh, to be. Man. We'll talk about that. I thought that match was a dud. We'll it, talk it was about a that dud. A I wanted to get out of the way. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> this was not. This was an exciting, entertaining match, but I agree with you. I think that they they blew a lot of their shots and their spots on SmackDown. The only, honestly, the only major spot I can remember in this that really blew my mind was that uh, that top rope Spanish fly to the outside with Grand Metalik and John Morrison onto the pile of guys outside. That was nuts. I remember the double finishing move at the very end of the match to to seal the deal on it with the Trouble in Paradise and the and the big ending and New Day comes out sure. winning. So there were a lot of spots in here that were interesting. The Spanish fly you mentioned, uh, Jackson getting removed from the match for some reason in a no DQ fatal four way. You're gonna remove. You can still be removed. I it's mean, not DQ. It's not disqualification. Doesn't that defeat the purpose of a of a of a? Anyway, I'm not gonna get up on that soapbox. But I was just like, that's a bit <laughs> much, guys. Come on. Referee's discretion, Nick. Sure, Referee's discretion. Sure.
sure. <laughs> the bottom line is, is that at the end of the day, yeah, Jackson was taken out, so the advantage was gone for Forgotten Sons. They and Miz and Morrison were taken out by Lucha House Party, who, as you said, ate the combo finisher from New Day. But kind of what we were saying, like there was not that much memorable about this match to separate it from any other matches we've seen, uh, you know, on SmackDown from these guys. And that's the unfortunate thing about throwing too much out there before the actual pay-per-view is now the pay-per-view comes along and we're like, well, we've kind of already seen this. Yep. And that was the big drawback from this match, which was otherwise a really well-worked, exciting match. Yeah. So that was it. That was a fairly big drawback. And also it was a little under- underwhelming because the titles didn't change hands. So it was kind of like, all right, so we saw essentially a TV quality match and the status quo is retained. Yeah. The only thing that really stood out to all me right. now that I've seen the whole show is where were the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders? Like, weren't they supposed to defend their titles? Oh. Yeah, it didn't happen. Didn't happen. Okay. I mean, they had they had room. They could have made it a three-hour pay-per-view and had that match. Sure. But didn't happen. It's very strange. Yeah. Very, very strange. And there was a story to tell there, and not so much for some of the other stuff exactly. that, uh, that did get on the show. So, yeah, very odd. Nothing controversial. Very New odd. Day retained. We both picked that uh, yesterday, so nothing to see here, really. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> uh, real quick, real quick uh, shout out in the super chat. Oh. Uh, line drive. Kyle says uh, for four four ninety nine. Thank you, sir. Thank you. He says the tag match felt like uh, the old cruiserweight title matches from the mid two thousands in terms of how it was put together. Good match, but meh. Um, not entirely wrong. Yeah. Not wrong. Then not a whole. I mean, you know, it was. We got more stakes because they've made the tag team titles on SmackDown feel like they're a bigger deal, but at the same time. Yeah, they not enough, not enough real build here. And then the build that they did have, as you say, Nick, they kind of uh, they got to undercut it by giving us a tag match on Friday, which was almost this anyway. Yep. So kind of a pity. Yep. Uh, we both picked New Day to win, but we had no idea what was going to happen in the next match, which was another random one: Our Truth versus MVP. Also thrown at us yesterday. Nick, we did not see this one coming at all, and we had no idea what to expect or why it even existed. And uh, R-Truth came out doing his whole usual routine, the entire song, playing to the crowd, which wasn't, which wasn't there, but he acted like they were, which, of course... He can get away with that. that. That's because it's brilliant. Yes. When he does it, you're sitting there going, who are you playing to? There's no one... Oh, you're R-Truth. Yeah, right. Yeah, you actually right. think they're... Right. Yeah. You think they're there. Got it. That's, that's funny. Yeah. That's funny. And then MVP came out, and they had a little back and forth about who's balling, and R-Truth said, no, I'd, I'd teach you how to ball, and started doing this thing with... Uh, three points, balling, and uh, MVP at a certain point got fed up with him, and out came Bobby Lashley. To all of our surprise, we're like, "What? What? What is? What is Bobby Lashley doing in the Impact Zone?" Well, he was coming out there because MVP said, "I'm not going to fight you tonight, our truth. I'm kind of annoyed by you, but my boy Lashley is. I'm subbing him in." And our truth is kind of looking around like, "What? What? Wait, why don't?" Can I get the night off? Anybody? Somebody? No? Oh, shit! And Bobby Lashley was pissed off and decided to take it out on R-Truth after R-Truth accidentally slapped him. It's not the best thing you want to do to a pissed off Bobby Lashley no. who's who's having marriage problems. Uh, and as you would expect after that, Bobby Lashley destroyed poor R-Truth. He was, uh, he was later seen cutting uh, or having a backstage interview with, uh, with Charlie Caruso, I believe it was, saying that uh, he mostly missed his baby. Now, I want to get into that in a second, Nick. Oh, I don't want to okay. talk about that just yet. Let, let's stick okay. to the match real quick. All right. So I want to say, you and I both kind of crapped on this for existing. Yep. Initially, we were like, what? what? Why? You've got 
as we said, Street Profits and Viking Raiders, which has a story. Why are we doing this match? Now that they actually made this match not about MVP and R-Truth, they, they, they showed that MVP is like pulling strings behind the scenes. They gave Lashley something to do. We got more story with Lashley about how he's mad. Corey saying, the only thing stopping Lashley is Lashley. If it wasn't for that, he'd be at the top of the pile. What do you think Lashley's trajectory is here? What are they setting him up for? Because he's been on, they're, they're giving him stuff to do. They found a reason to put him on this pay-per-view. Do you see that as, as significant? Um, I see it as a, as a teaser to just give him a chance to do something else. But it's, it's our truth but he's getting a shot at a pay-per-view. Is this any indication of, is he going to go for the U.S. title? Is he going to go for the Intercontinental title still held by Sammy? So I, I don't... Is he going to go for the, the WWE Championship held by Drew McIntyre, a guy that Lashley can look intimidating next to? That could work. Which is, which is, and, and which, is, which is what my thought was, was are they building up Lashley to be in title contention? He's a threat. Once he gets over himself, no one can stop him. That was the line. So... That made me kind of scratch my head. Why are we paying attention to Lashley right now? And our truth was there, I think, just to make, just to provide entertainment, to be funny, to be fun. And he was. He was very. This was an entertaining segment. So now, in hindsight, again, we see what their intentions were here. Lashley has a trajectory that he's on. And as you were saying, Nick, our truth was interviewed later in the show, and he said he has to go find his baby, and he's not going to rest until the twenty-four-seven. 7-Eleven, I-95 South, 1492, Columbus, Columbus Sail the Ocean Blue title is wrapped back around his way, so he's going to go get himself some Tom Brady and sack him some Tom Brady. Tom Brady what? doesn't have the 24-7 championship, Ian. No, Rob Gronkowski does, but now I, my interest is very peaked because you've got our truth back on the hunt for the 24-7 championship as we're getting close to preseason to training camp. Yeah, OTA is soon. For yeah. for the Bucks. So you have my attention. Are we going to have our truth running wild at training camp? Is that the intention here? Is that what we're going for? Is that the other reason why we have this match on this pay-per-view to set up our truth going to training camp? Sure. Just saying. That yeah. Uh, line drive again with 199 in the super chat. Chess. Tom Brady, we coming for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. You're doing, doing a little Booker T there. Yeah. Shooky dookie. Yeah. <laughs> so this was a wash. Neither of us got this pick. So we, didn't, we didn't see this coming at all. No. So we'll declare this a wash. But we did see what was coming in the next match. And I think that was the big drawback of it. Tamina versus Bailey for the SmackDown Women's Championship was about as paint by the numbers as you could possibly get. Uh, what did you guys expect this to be? Uh, it, on paper, even, it's it's boring. It, it's miserable. Yeah. It's Yeah, neither of these women have... Uh, there's more charisma in this garbage bag tie than either of these women combined. So I don't know what we expected this match to be. It's funny because with the three of them, with Sasha, Bailey, and Tamina all standing around, and it doesn't help that Sasha was wearing some sort of crazy vinyl number that she picked up at a sex shop somewhere. But you couldn't take your eyes off of Sasha. Meanwhile, Tamina and Bailey kind of fade into the background next to her. And that's just her presence. And unfortunately, by having all three women in the same place, that's a little bit more apparent. The only one you are really kind of watching is Sasha. And that's not to say that Bailey and, and Tamina didn't do good work here. I thought it was a satisfactorily worked match. There's nothing I saw that jumped out at me that was 
outright bad. It just was. I hate to use the term boring. Yeah, but this is a this it is a just kinda- pay-per-view match. It's a championship defense that is preceding two pretty hyped cha- other championship defenses. And I'm, yeah. I'm sitting here going, that's why I said at the be- at the beginning, I would have put this earlier on to get past it, hype everybody back up with uh, the four-way tag match, have a little break match with R-Truth and Lashley, and then go into the two big matches. Because this this was a snooze fest. To, see, to me, to me, this was in the right place of the show. It was in the middle of the show where someone could take a little nap and then come back strong for yep. the end. You know, uh-huh. so and that's that's kind of what <laughs> that's kind of what this was, in my opinion. But and but the problem was there was also weird stuff like there was these comedy spots. You know, the most of this was Bailey on the offense and then splashing water in Tamina's face, pissing her off, and then. You have Tamina dominating until the ending where Sasha distracts Tamina, of course, and then Bailey gets the roll-up for the win. Um, but there was some points where there was these weird comedy spots. Bailey trying to Samoan drop Tamina and falling on her face because Tamina's just too heavy. Yeah. Which is which made Bailey look like a fool. Right. And then outside Bailey for calling for timeout, which okay, yes, I understand it's it's a heel thing, but I saw Bailey, it as begging it's, off, it's, you know, it's just no different sure. than that. Yeah, it's it's begging off, but it's you, then you had the commentary saying that it's wrestling Bailey. There's no timeouts. Like it's, it's making Bailey look like an idiot. Yep. And if that's the intention, turn the ship into it because that might give her something to work with. Yeah. Right now she's just kind of in the middle of all these different things, and she's not, she's not a vicious heel. She's not a smarmy heel. She's kind of a snarky heel, but not really. She's just kind of there. Yeah. No identity. Not really. Nope. You know, and I mean, we were even saying with her whole doing the whole uh, I'm a role model thing. Well, Britt Baker's doing that better. So, yeah, it's Bailey's not exciting. Tamina has never really been exciting. And I, I don't want to trash Tamina because I respect the hell out of her and, and the things she's done uh, in her life. But at the same time, like this is the wrong position for her. Yeah. Um, I'm glad she got a title match, like, you know, stepping away from all this, like good for her. But this just didn't deliver. No, this, this wasn't this wasn't that exciting. Esme with three dollars so in the super chat says best part of the match was the Discord. Thank you, Esme. Agreed. <laughs> uh, they Agreed. are. We try That's to fun. tell everybody come get in the Discord. It's, <laughs> it's the place to be. It's where all the action. very fun. All the action happens. Thank you very much, Esme. Absolutely. So we both called Bailey to win here. Oh, yeah. Let's move on and talk about Bray Wyatt versus Braun Strowman. Ooh. Now this thing's got interesting here right off the bat. Because Bray Wyatt came out as Mr. Rogers Bray. So you were expecting The Fiend. I was not. You expected Sweater Bray. Yes. I did not. Okay. I expected Fiend. I expected this to Bray to come out. I thought WWE was going to fast track this, get the title back on Bray. Let's just get this over with. Braun was transitional. As soon as Bray came out in the sweater, I went, oh, no. We're doing something completely different here. And sure enough, they are. They're telling a very different story. And I like the story that they're telling. Good. Like you and I both said, we you and I both said there's not enough story between Bray and Braun yet. We haven't established enough. And one of the things we were begging for out of this match was extend this story. Give us more to this. And they did. They had Bray coming out as Mr. Rogers. At first, we didn't know what his intentions were. He was being very friendly towards Braun, being very happy-go-lucky. And as the match went on and Braun started getting more aggressive on him, he started getting more aggressive on Braun, and he, frankly, Nick, this was the most bizarre thing about it. Mr. Rogers Bray toe-to-toed Braun. 
In fact, I'd say he was like nearly bronze equal in the physical booking of this match. Well, well don't forget he did bizarre. that with Daniel Bryan earlier this year too. Or was it end of last year after afterward? He came out and had a match as Sweater Bray. Ended up going yeah. under and getting the ha- the mallet, the giant toy mallet. Uh, th- th- so he's done this before, and he did it with Daniel Bryan and beat him. He has. So I I, I was expecting Sweater Bray. I I was what I was unsure about is whether or not they were gonna have him mandible claw him and put him down. But I like right. what they did here. I think it's fantastic. This is exactly what I was complaining about. It has there's more to this that they could build around, more story to tell. Uh, absolutely loved what they did. Uh, here well, to give it more life, and and what was what, what I thought was the best part about it was at a certain point they established that Bray and Braun are someone on the same physical level, which is yeah. surprising because Braun has always been built up as a monster. So that I thought was interesting booking, not entirely consistent. I don't know. I thought I thought maybe you could have had Sweater Bray, you know, take a little bit more damage, and I don't know. Th- I, that seemed a little weird. But the part of the match where the story really picked up was Braun gets kicked to the outside. But he pops back up slowly wearing the black sheep mask. And Bray's demeanor completely changes. And Braun gets back in, rips off his shirt very slowly, and is kind of, you know, goes and does the old Wyatt family pose. And Bray's ecstatic. Yeah. He's, oh, my God, thank you. I told you all. I told you. He's coming back. All the puppets are there ringside, and they're all saying, oh, hooray, Bray, Bray, you did it. You did it. The black sheep's coming back. Braun's coming home. And then Braun takes off the mask and steps on it, and Bray looks like he's heartbroken. What are you doing? I thought, and then as he goes to attack Braun, he's he's so shook, Braun gets him in the body slam, the power slam, excuse me, and, and slams him down. So, and beats him one, two, three. So you've established that, one, Braun's not a dummy, which was a huge point to make. Right. Braun's not stupid here. He knows what Bray wants. He, know, he, he psyched out Bray Wyatt, a guy who on the pre-show, uh, they were talking about how Bray is a master manipulator of the mind. But here's Braun out manipulating him. Yeah. Here's Braun outsmarting him. And here's Bray also showing that he's not here to kick Braun's ass. This was all about genuinely trying to bring Braun back into his circle. He genuinely wanted him back. He's not, he's not mad at him. He's disappointed, but he's not mad. He wants him back. Here's the thing, though. Now he's mad. And now we can go into the next stage of this feud. Yep. And now he can say, all right, you, I gave you every chance. Now you're dead. Now we got a couple of months, a couple, three months till SummerSlam. Let's continue to build and tell this story. Let Bray go nuts building and telling this story arc. And we, we end up having The Fiend and Braun. It ends up unleashing The Fiend uh, at SummerSlam. I love it. I absolutely love it. This is fantastic. I think this That's what I mean. this feud should absolutely be saved as yeah. a, a finale for one of the big four. And it's good that they didn't bring out The Fiend right away because now they've established why Bray's going to bring out The Fiend next. You know, they had him in the corner afterwards, and The, and the, the Fiend kind of you know, it, it pops in. Yeah. The little static thing pops in. The other oh, Fiend. Okay, well, now there's a reason for The Fiend to show up. Yep. Like I tried, to keep him fr- I tried to keep him away from you, Braun. I gave you every chance, but now you're going to get The Fiend. Yep. So awesome. Andy with uh, $5 in the super chat says, finally they Ooh. made Braun look intelligent and able to outsmart people. Yes. Finally. Yep. Good. Great. Finally. He's not a big dummy. Uh, that's, this is the best thing that you could have done for that yeah. guy is make him look like he's, he's not stupid. He's not just a gimmick. He's not just a big uh, special attraction. 
you know, and is going to make the story mean a lot more if Bray is going against someone who knows him well enough to be able to outsmart him like this. Yeah. So I thought that the only thing about this was, man, if you haven't watched anything before this with these two guys, this match would have made no sense and probably would have sucked. But I think in context, it was it was quite good. Yeah. Kyle so. says uh, five dollars in super chat. How do we bridge this oh. feud to SummerSlam? SmackDown main event scene is rather weak. Um, look, they can, they absolutely can. Whether or not they will is is interesting. Because I mean, if we're looking at SummerSlam, it's August. We're still three ish months away. Yep. That that is a what long always, time in WWE terms. What they say in any like story writing class or screenwriting is find your goal, yeah. and then create obstacles to that goal. So backwards. if our goal is if our goal is Fiend beats Braun at some point, work backwards. How long? How much time do you have to fill? What are the obstacles to that? What obstacles can you throw in the path of that? Um, create those obstacles <laughs> and use that to fill time. As we said, uh, uh, Braun versus Ramblin' Rabbit falls count anywhere. See. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Maybe not. Poor Ramblin' Rabbit. Come on, you know he, he he's never gonna get pinned. He he always gets he always gets back up. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. So you got that one, Nick. You uh. You we said who's gonna come out holding the championship. I was being pessimistic. I was being negative. I said they're just gonna put it back on Bray. It's WWE. Or I was having a bad day or something. And I said I'd be ecstatic if I was wrong. And you know what, Nick? I'm ecstatic. It stayed on Braun. You were correct. And uh, moving on, and it we had our you other the whole pay per view. Cost me the whole. I'd, I would rather have the whole pay per view and the pickums be cost on something that I'm happy I was wrong about. Agreed. Nick. There's a lot to be happy about from this point forward. Uh, so yeah, I, I love it. Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. Uh, this was, I think, about as note perfect as you could want for this match. Yeah. Um. We got a little distracted at first in the chat. We found out about Del Rio and all the stuff that he just got arrested for and uh, got, got a little bit distracted. But, you know, that was in the point of the match where they were still building up the, the intensity. By the end of the match, it was very exciting. It was very competitive. You know, Seth had taken out Drew's arm and his leg. Uh, and Drew Seth was just trying to survive the big man. And Drew ultimately hit him with a, a Glasgow kiss and a big old Claymore, and that was it. Drew kicked out of a stomp. He kicked out of a superplex Phoenix uh, Phoenix Arrow combination. Um, Falcon Arrow. He was kicking out Falcon Arrow. Excuse me. What did I say? Phoenix? Yeah. I was getting there. You're thinking yeah, Phoenix Splash. You. Phoenix Splash, Falcon the, um, Arrow. And it looked like Seth tweaked his back. You know, working into the, the story of the match a little bit, Drew, just selling that Drew was of such large stature trying to do that. Uh, that mm -hmm. suplex press to get him up in for the Falcon Arrow uh, just tweaked his back of some because he Yo, came up like holding his back and uh, Nick yeah Nick there was two guys tonight that scared the crap out of me what? because they just sold an injury too well who's that Seth and Cesaro Cesaro oh. uh, Jeff Hardy in a, a whisper in a wind I believe came down on Cesaro's leg weird and he came up and immediately was clutching his leg took off his knee uh, his knee brace or his his um knee covering and was like checking his knee and was limping for a little bit and then finished the match that scared the crap out of me and then Seth grabbing at his lower back immediately after doing the uh, Falcon Arrow also scared the crap out of me I'm hoping that was just really good selling and both guys were fine because that scared the absolute crap out of me both of these guys so fingers crossed guys yeah. but uh, so okay the other thing we got to talk about here 
Let's talk about the match in a second. Seth came out to new music, Nick. He's got new, he's got new, not quite as pop the crowd, more messianic kind of music going on. What did you think of his music? It, I was immediately reminded of Cesaro's generic entrance music. No, oh, no, really? Yeah. I, I'm not a huge fan. There you know, is it a good concept, uh, you know, a, a prototype that they could build on? Sure. But I want to hear, I see where they're going. They're going for gospel sort of uh, big church hall kind of feel it, to, the, yes. to the sound of it. Bring some, oh, you know, is it, have a chorus or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Gregorian chants or something. I don't know. Just it needs. I'll tell you, enhancement. It needs. It needs a lot. It needs a lot more pepper on it. And yeah. it, and it's the right idea. Yeah. I think that I think that it would totally work. But I agree with you. It needs a lot more pepper. Especially you listen to Drew McIntyre's theme right after it. The drums hit harder. The the everything sounds crisper. Seth sounds like something someone just did on Garage Band right. last week. Right. It's not mastered correctly. It's not mixed properly. It's just it's a little flat. The the synth strings are flabby. It doesn't sound quite right. But it's the right idea. And if they peppered it up a little bit, as you said, threw in some get some real strings, get like a lot more layers to it, get some singing, you know, make the drums hit harder. That could be a a really great entrance song for him with this new character. And it's the right idea to not have him coming out with burn it down. Because that pops a crowd. That sounds exciting. And it's not who he it's is very anymore. Very thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think this is the right direction. But they definitely they're not gonna. No. But they definitely have to work on that on that uh, entrance music, how it sounds, yeah. to get it to get it to sound a little. Not bit, a fan as it stands right now. I don't, no, no. No. Right idea. A little more work. The Tron looks nice though. I'll give them that. That's for sure. Oh, the Tron looks uh, Andy Jessup with five bucks in the super chat says his music needs to be done on an old pipe organ on the forefront. Yep. That's exactly, oh, dude. Exactly. Do like uh, like like Jericho had with the gospel singers coming out and right singing Judas, yeah, yeah, with the with the with the pipe organ. Oh, that'd be sick. Yeah, good call, Andy, and thank you. Um, so here's the other thing we got to talk about. First of all, as we said, great, well worked match, exciting, just what you want a title match to be. Uh, both these guys are at the top of their game right now, and they showed it with this match. Just great all around match of the night. I thought of the actual straight up matches. Sure. But at the end, Seth looks very defeated. Of course, before this, he had been, you know, a hundred percent. He was like, I know I'm right. I need to take, I need, I'm the leader here. I need to take this off of drew at the end. Drew goes up to him and shakes his hand and Seth shakes his hand back and is just left looking stunned in the ring while drew walks away victorious. What did you take away from that? And also the other thing in the match where Seth went to bring a chair into the ring, the ref told him no, and Seth thought about it and didn't do it. Didn't do it. What are you seeing coming for Seth? Is he looking going to look back on this and saying, I was being too nice and change? Or, or, or what, what, was, what were those moments about, Nick, for you? Him battling with going back to his old ways and then being the leader and trying to, you know, lead people into the future of WWE. And, you know, he, he had this whole thing leading up to this match for a month talking about how he's a bigger leader, he's a stronger leader, all this stuff. So I think it's an internal battle he's having where he wants, he knows how to win, but he's learning that he can't win without cheating. And it's, right. it's kind of this internal battle that he's having. And this is one of those things. And then at the end of the match, you know, 
Glasgow kiss, Claymore, one, two, three, Drew wins, and he stands up and goes, a real leader would shake my hand. Mm -hmm. And so he gives him the most limpest of noodly handshakes at the end. (laughs) And I'm sitting there. What I'm reading into this with Seth is that he's very confused (laughs) right now because he's, he's used to winning matches. He's used to doing a lot of things differently. And he's finding out that a, he doesn't, he can't win on his own without buddy, without AOP, without his backup. And he's also finding out that he's, maybe not as strong of a leader as he thought. So are we seeing this sort of decline and descent maybe into some level of madness? I Well, and that's the thing. is he, that's That would be my logical next step. He's already kind of crazy. Like the amount of conviction that he's throwing into his speeches and everything is no blinking speeches that he's doing now. Um, the amount of conviction he's throwing in, as you said, Nick, at the end, it was he was like, oh, crap, I was wrong. He was so sure of himself. Yep. What happens when someone who's that sure of themselves has their reality twisted? Sometimes their mind breaks. And you have a guy who's, you know, before he was saying, well, I'm going to lead with the open hand and bring people to me. Now I'm going to rule with a closed fist. Where once I was going to reap, or once I was going to sow, now I'm going to reap, right? I'm going to burn the fields. So I wonder if that's the next level, that's the next stage in Seth's character evolution is, I tried to be nice, and y'all wouldn't let me be nice. So I, I'm very curious to see where they go next because that was an interesting moment that kind of popped out for me. You want to get was nuts? That, uh, Let's get nuts. Let's get nuts. Yes. Yeah. I, want you, I want Seth Rollins to fall off the freaking deep end. I, I want yep. him to hit rock bottom. And I think this is one of the first steps of him just falling, going, beginning that descent. And he's just absolutely going to plummet, hit rock bottom. And then, you know, over the course of the next year or two, it's going to be this, he's going to come back around and find his way. And I love this, this up and down, this heel and face arc that we've been on, this ride that we've been on with Seth Rollins for the last five or so years. It's fantastic. And this is just another, this is another valley in that, in that long way. And as we've said, his, his heel work right now is superlative. Yeah. His, his promos, everything's off the charts. So loving what he's doing. Yeah. But that that brings us to the big moment of the night, Nick. Oh the yeah! Simul- the simultaneous, <laughs> the simultaneous corporate ladder money in the bank match. The men represented by Daniel Bryan, Otis, Cor- Baron Corbin, Aleister Black, Rey Mysterio, and AJ Styles all starting off in the gym for some reason on the first floor of uh, Titan Towers. Yeah. All the women represented by Lacey Evans, Shayna Baszler, Oscar, Carmella, Dana, and Nia Jax all starting in the lobby. Uh, oh, I should say that five of them started in the lobby. Asuka started on the balcony above them. First thing she does is splash all the women in the, in the, in the lobby and then run off cackling to the elevator, dance off to the elevator, and barely gets away in the elevator and just dancing up the whole way in the elevator, which just, from the get-go, Asuka killing this thing. Yep. Um, so this is going to be tough to run down, Nick, because it was just... A lot of stuff happened. A lot of lot of things happened in this match. It was very chaotic. The dude, everyone was fighting all over the building. Uh, a bunch of big moments, but you know whether it was uh, Otis trapping AJ under a, a pull up under a, a weightlifting bar. Um, Baron Corbin threw a weight through a a, win, a, a, a mirror. You had uh, AJ come face to face with a big picture of the Undertaker and look absolutely terrified. And then Aleister Black locks him in a, in a blue 
colored room, like a like a blue lit, dark lit room with a with a casket in it. And AJ's like, no, let me out, oh god. Um, just all kinds of madness. Uh, you know, Dana Brooke getting hit with a with a sign and then wearing the sign for the like most of the rest. The Dana had a bunch of pratfalls in this. She there was a there was a floor that people a guy was mopping. She came along and just took a big spill on this floor after all the other women had run through it. There was a food fight in the middle. Paul Heyman was enjoying the entire catering buffet to himself. And then uh, everyone lines up in front of us, starts yelling at each other, and Otis suddenly freaks out and says, food fight. And they have a big food fight because Vince loves food fights. Yeah. Um, I could watch Otis eat 24 hours a day. <laughs> you might get your opportunity because Vince apparently thinks Otis loves to eat because Otis also showed up in the cafeteria where they had a bunch of uh, nuts that he tried to throw into his mouth, and they also had a bunch of, of custard cream pies. And John Laurinaitis shows up, and Otis smashes a pie in you his face, which was one. one of my highlights. Oh, I'm we, going we, back to we it. We got to talk about the Bruce There's Pritchard so Brother Love cameo that showed Brother up. Love's in the bathroom for some <laughs> Taking reason. Taking a whiz, just for no reason. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Looking like he ate Bruce Pritchard. Right. Uh, uh, let's see. Oh, there was like, there, there's, a, there's a big, there. okay, at one point, AJ and Daniel Bryan are fighting down a hallway, and as you would expect, as they pretty much signaled to us, yes, we ended up in Vince McMahon's office, and the boss man was sitting there. And turn around and go, hey, what are you doing? I had to pause it for a minute and check out the glorious T-Rex skull. The T-Rex skull, yeah. Fossil, I should say, not skull. And they both both kind of like, oh, oh, sorry, boss. Got very quiet, rearranged his chairs and kind of like slowly, meekly backed out like Japanese bowing on the way. Daniel Bryan, Japanese bowing on the way out. Uh, And then outside, he was like. All I could think about during the whole thing is I want a WWE cannonball run movie. (laughs) Yeah, right? It's a mad, mad, that's, mad, that's mad, what mad, it mad world. Felt like the whole time was just, I, I, it made me. I'm gonna go on a Dom DeLuise marathon this week and just watch all the Cannonball runs, and, and just yeah. I listen. This was so much fun. It was athletic. It was stunty, and it was silly, and it was it was exactly what I had hoped it would be. And what I don't the one the one gripe that I have is I don't like the times when the men met the women and they were both kind of fighting at the same time. I wish they had kept that a little bit separate because it confused all of the moments and everything that was going on. Uh, they could have had one. They could have all run in it and maybe got it, into the food fight thing and then they split off and go again. It made it seem chaotic. It made yeah. it seem chaotic and that I didn't mind. The moment where the men came spilling out of the elevator and the women were expecting Oscar to come out and they were all like, "Oh shit." Yeah. That was a good moment like there were Here's the thing. For me, like, there were moments that worked. There were moments that didn't. Yeah. Doink the Clown or some guy dressed up like Doink the Clown hiding behind a chair For did no not reason. work. Dana Brooke pulling down a Money in the Bank briefcase replica in a conference room and then Stephanie, cutting to Stephanie McMahon, who was obviously in a completely different location, right. not talking to her at all. Miming to an saying, iPhone camera. Dana... Dana, don't can't you tell we're actually in the boardroom, not uh, not on the roof? Ah, ha, ha. That moment was terrible. It's probably the low point of the whole thing. Um, made Dana look like a complete buffoon. It, it 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 undercut some of the production, which already was a little bit spotty for a billion dollar company. Right. Frankly, to be clear. Um, I think in the Discord I said uh, it looks like somebody that Stephanie segment specifically. It was so the 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 audio was so off on the two different clips that. It, like, who's editing this in iMovie on their MacBook Pro, for God's sakes? 
You know, that that's yeah. I don't know. I don't want to gripe about it too much, but it, I, because I mostly loved this. I, I well, loved become, Stephanie yeah, popping up. Become, I, I loved Vince popping up. I loved yes. Brother Love. I loved Laurinaitis, Johnny Ace showing up on his scooter. <laughs> Did he steal that from Zeb Coulter? Um, those of you that know, know. The idea that we had a bunch of these little cameos all throughout this thing, and it wasn't just the empty building after all. It was for the most part. Yeah. Um, but they did involve recognizable people that those of us that have been wrestling fans for a long time would recognize. Three, four decades were represented in these cameos. So I, I think it's like much like they did for the Firefly Funhouse match, one of the things that I remember hearkening back to was how much nostalgia they threw at us in that match and in this one as well it wasn't so much nostalgia as it was access as it was oh i know who that is i get that reference yeah i think they could i mean in that sense they could have done more of that but again i think part of it is is they're working under constraints yeah you know one of the things i was thinking was like where's everyone in this building why does it feel so empty but yet vince is still working which i from what i understand is actually how it works is everyone leaves and vince is still there writing on his yellow tablet which he was um, you know, but obviously they're under constraints. No one can be there right now. So it is what it is. I feel like they, you know, there's some things that I, I don't want to seem like I'm complaining. They gave us a lot here. There was, this was very fun. It was fast paced. It was comedic for better or for worse. I think some of the, the comedic stuff didn't make some of the people look good, but I don't think that's going to be something that is going to have long-term ramifications at all. Um, the biggest gripe I had, Nick, uh, was once we got to the roof, the women came first, and I had no problem with that. We'll talk about that in a second. But then the men got up there, and as was promised, people got thrown off the roof. Baron Corbin grabbed Rey Mysterio, hucked him over the side, and then grabbed Aleister Black and hucked him over the side, too. And they just went <laughs> over the side into the night. That was it. Yep. Nothing more dramatic than that. Baron Corbin just committed absolute freaking murder and it was like someone farted in the wind. Twice. And it was gone. Yep. Twice. In a row. You, you can do slow-mo cameras on Miz and Morrison's entrance, but you can't have a camera in the right place to show them Hans Gruber-style falling in you slow got motion. A, a, you got a chopper <laughs> flying around outside getting amazing shots of, right. of people climbing ladders and AJ doing phenomenal forearms, but you can't get someone falling. Like, I imagine, I don't know if they had a net right underneath to catch them set up or if they actually did a seven-story drop, which is feasible, too. They're not stuntmen, so probably not. I'm guessing there was a net. If that's the case, then, yeah, that's probably the best angle they could have gotten. But if you're going to toss someone off a damn roof, that was probably the most underwhelming, uninspired way to do it I could possibly imagine. Yeah. Like, for what was supposed to be a huge spot for what they got us all frothing for, that was terrible. Yep. Terrible. Yep. I was pissed. Yep. I'm like that's stupid, and also, you you're it's it's paid so little attention to. You just hucked two humans off of a seven story building. They're dead, unless you explain why they're not. This isn't AJ climbing out of a grave. Okay, maybe he sat up out of the dirt as soon as the camera cut. This is two guys got hucked off a seven story building. You got to do more than that. So real quick, I got to break in, call out some super chats. Esme uh, with five bucks says she's got Rat Race flashbacks watching this guilty movie pleasure. Yes, yes, there's exactly. a remake of Mad 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 World. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Line Drive said, "Hey, for five bucks, 
said, hey, WWE, if you want to do a Cannonball Run match, we got a patron mailbag where we booked it. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> we do. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We, Thank we, you we guys gone very much. If we wanted to. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. Um, I feel so like it, they filmed those separately and they were edited in, and that's why they felt a little bit awkward. But I agree with you. There was no excuse not to show anything more than them just disappearing into the darkness because you could have faked yeah. that. Especially if you're shooting it separately, like they, it looked like they edited the end of this together in a couple of different takes. Um, if, you, if especially if you're going to take your time to go do that, then do it, do it right. Yeah, no excuse. Yeah, no excuses. But let's get to the actual ending of the matches. The women get to the roof, and uh, it's a three-way scrum between Oscar, Nia Jax, and Lacey. Dana, Carmella, and Shayna are nowhere to be seen, and they're never seen again, which I want to talk about in a second. Three-way scrum, looks like it could go any direction, can't quite tell. But ultimately, uh, you've got Asuka going up to the top. Uh, Corbin ends up showing up to stop her. Everyone else is laid out. Corbin shows up to stop her. Asuka smacks him off the ladder and takes the briefcase. In probably the, big, the biggest pop I gave of the night. What's I expecting that? Asuka winning this. I was not expecting Asuka to win. Nor did I expect her to deck Baron Corbin to do so. Mwah. Love it. Love it. I did not think they were going to give Oscar the briefcase. That was not on my radar. No. And I'm so glad they did. Um, so, but what do you... Th- okay, so Nia and Lacey, the other two favorites, were up there with Oscar. So that makes sense. Why? And Dana and Carmella not being there makes sense. Shayna... Shayna not being there. Let's talk about that because Shayna was my pick and someone who has been built up as being a threat. She had a chronicle on on the WWE Network about how she was going to win Money in the Bank right before this. And she wasn't even involved in the finish. Do you think that she wasn't involved in the finish, Nick, because they were trying to keep her from being beaten directly? And she, like, she was somewhere else. She, wasn't, she didn't lose to Asuka because she wasn't on the roof. Had she been there, maybe she'd have been a factor like that. Still. Or... Her not being there is them saying, yeah, yeah, we don't care about Shayna. No, I think it's been, they, think it was. this was less about Shayna and more about making Asuka look like the roadrunner being chased by a bunch of wily e. Coyotes. Um, I, I, it's Asuka was trying to get away from everybody from the start. Like she, she splashed onto him and then ran into the elevator by herself and got a big head start. The fact that it took Lacey and Nia that long, Dana was, she was still hugging that briefcase full of money. And rapping with Stephanie, but and had had, had, a, had a painting wrapped around her head, right? And so, <laughs> I, yeah, I think the thing that confuses me is that, or you asked a specific question about Shayna. I don't. I the yeah. reason I never I didn't pick either one of these ladies is because I don't think they need it to be a threat or a, or a challenger for the championship. Oscar doesn't. Uh, neither does Shayna. Shayna's been Shayna. It was right there. Barely didn't you know, win the Royal Rumble. You know. You know, I'll, I'll I'll back your play on this and say that that Shayna doesn't need it because she still has championship potential, whereas Asuka has been in the feud a couple of times and now she can be a spoiler for the rest of the year and coming out of nowhere and take it and that can be fun. I I don't want her um, I don't want her to even care about getting the title back. I just want crazy screaming in Japanese Asuka <laughs> continuing to run around for the remainder of the entirety of the year. Like if she cashes in before SummerSlam, I'll be disappointed. What's amazing, Nick, is if you go back and listen to the first year of our show, we were asking for this Oscar that entire time. Yep. We, asked, we asked specifically for this Oscar, and here she is. And WWE loves her. The fans love her. Uh, she has been the MVP 
of this whole situation ever since the audiences went away. And she was the MVP of this Money in the Bank match, if I can, if I can throw that opinion Absolutely. out there. Um, but again, I just worry that Shayna not being there might be another indicator that the brass is down on her, even though they gave her a chronicle right before this. So I don't know. It, it, that concerned me a bit. Yeah. But still think Asuka was a great choice to get the briefcase. Oh, yeah. I'm just, I'm, uh, if, I can't if, wait to, for her arms to be flailing around. Just uh, baka, 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 baka with that briefcase. <laughs> and just, it's going to be magic. It's going to oh. be absolute magic because I could buy her as a face or a heel at this point, frankly. That's the that's you know? the question. next question I had is, are, I mean, is she going to get too over and get turned back face by just being too awesome? She's getting to tweener status right now because if you, you've Seriously. got Bailey on one side and you've got uh, Becky on the other side, and I could see her going and cashing in on either one of them, honestly. Oh, you, you're right. <laughs> but as someone who was not a tweener won the men's Money in the Bank briefcase. And oh, yeah! This was, this was also a thanks... Thanks, Nick. This was also a, a, a quite a big surprise because, uh, as I said, Al- Ray and Alistair Black are dead. Uh, so you're down to uh, Baron Corbin, AJ Styles, uh, Otis. And, uh, you know, I got to say, dude. Well, let's see. And Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Yeah. What happened to Daniel Bryan at the end? I don't here? remember. I'm trying to remember what happened to him. Anyway, he, was, he wasn't really involved. Um, yeah, he wasn't in the, he was ringside, but he didn't really factor into the end, did he? Uh, but you, the real, the real end came between AJ and Baron Corbin. He got on the top of the ladder, both grabbed the briefcase, AJ unhooked it, and then Elias comes out of nowhere, smashes a guitar over Corbin's back. Corbin falls off the ladder. AJ thinks he's got it, but in the confusion, he loses his grip on it because his gloves aren't sticky gloves like catchers wear. They're not, they're not Ricky Henderson gloves, and it goes flying out of his hands. And who's down there at the bottom? But a man who could not climb the ladder because he kept breaking the rungs, not only on SmackDown, but on this on this match, he couldn't climb the ladder. He's standing right there, boop, falls right into Otis's hands. Love it. And Otis is the winner of the men's Money in the Bank ladder match uh, out of nowhere. What? I understand there are going to be purists that are very upset about this. <laughs> I, I understand. AJ unhooked it. AJ unhooked and it should be AJ. However, this in the situation in the climate that we're all currently in, Otis and Mandy is the has been since the start of the year the hottest thing on SmackDown going today. And now you've got Otis with the money in the bank contract alongside Mandy Rose in a extremely heated feud in the women's division with Mandy and Sonya. Then there's Dolph Ziggler off to the This is I loved this. I, I, the more I thought about it after the show, I was like, it's perfect. Yes. Yeah. Just because yeah. exactly like Asuka, you're going to have Otis, oh, yeah, running around Kool-Aid man, macho man style, and just flailing that briefcase around. They didn't do the they didn't do the Kool-Aid man spot in this, which oh, I thought was Oh, he oh yeah quite a few times. He oh yeah but he's always oh yeah He didn't oh yeah through a wall. Where's That's a Tucky? I, That's I, my, I called that my this. question. If you remember, I question. said this. After Elimination Chamber, if they're not careful, Tucky, who was Otis the one that was performing, was the one that was going to get we've left said behind. This since NXT, since NXT, we said <laughs> Tucky's the Genetti. That's, like, yes, Tucker is yes. great. He is all the talent in the world, but Otis is the star attraction here. And Vince <gasps> finally got himself a hard on for Otis, and now Otis is getting the push. Now, not to say he doesn't deserve it, he absolutely does, but Vince sees a dude who can wrestle, who is fun to look at, can. Pull off anything you give him in terms of a bit, 
He can be. He can also be serious. He can look like he's intimidating. He can entertain the crowd, uh, and Vince can have fun with him. He can. Cl- he's down to clown, but he's also he looks like he's legitimate. So of course Vince is looking at this guy going, "Hell yeah, screw it. Why not? Let's give him money in the bank. See what happens." Yep. Let's see what happens. Uh, I, th- I love right. that attitude. Let's see what happens. Can he deliver? Give him enough leash. To, uh, what do they say? Enough rope to hang yourself with, right? Enough leash to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that. Give Otis a shot because he has delivered consistently since this whole thing with Mandy actually fired up and got some legs underneath it. Right. So let's keep ri- let's ride that horse till we can't. You know. So let's let's look about look let's look at this overall. Great for Otis. Great for Oscar. I would say also you had Baron Corbin being a lot involved in a lot of it, and Nia, they kind of played the same role in each of their parts of the match, or they're the, the big heater. Um, but then you had people that were just kind of there. You know, Dana had a lot to do, but Carmella didn't really have squat to do. Uh, Shayna didn't, Shana didn't have jack to do. She was choking out Rey Mysterio at one point, but that was about it. Rey Mysterio didn't have a lot to do except for, you know, take AJ out at the one or, or say, say, no, I'm not going to help you to AJ and then meet Brother Love. That was pretty much Ray's involvement. Yeah. And, and then get thrown off a roof. Off a Alistair Black, <laughs> Alistair Black locked AJ in a room and got thrown off the roof. He didn't he didn't do shit. So there was a lot of people in this uh, Daniel Bryan even except for his little bit with AJ in, in in Mr. McMahon's office. There was a lot of people in this match that were just kind of there. And I don't know whether to be mad about that or if it's that's just the nature of the match like some people are going to get bigger spots than others don't despair at least they were in the match and that's kind of i'm trying to keep myself positive about it and think about it in that way and not be like why didn't you give more love to my boy alistair you know look at looking at looking at it at the end oscar and otis have the briefcase it was madness it was a crazy match maybe a little heavy on the heavy on the comedy maybe not the best production values but damn if it wasn't entertaining yep and esme in the chat just said something that i was going to say here in a second too I'm waiting for Otis to spend his contract in order for Mandy to get a title shot. And I'm wondering if they could spend that. It would be brilliant. Oh, dude. And then, uh, and then, also and then with she $2. turns on him. Esme also with the $2 in the super chat. Filthy casuals might never like Shayna. Thank you, I mean, Esme. I've been saying and, that. Like when, when she yeah. goes up, she's kind of a one-trick pony. She's got a choke out, Fil- and she's filthy, got filthy casuals and Vince. Yep. No, she's wait, but she looks more legitimate than anyone. Ah, oh, goddamn. Nick, you filthy casual. You think that the greater WWE that. audience does not. They want to <sighs> see giant superplexes and fancy wrestling moves and things like that. Yeah. They're right. They, and that's why Nia Jax gets a push, Nick. That's why Nia Jax gets a push. That's not why Nia. This Jax is why you, gets a push. This is why you get Nia Jax, Nick, because she's believable. People, people look at her and they get they have a response. We're not going to do this right now. Let's okay. So we did neither of us got anything right here on this match, which is a good thing. This match is supposed to be unpredictable, supposed to be crazy. Um, one last thing, just about AJ. Did they redeem the AJ Taker thing at all by having him now be like terrified to take her? Like have they PTSD sort of, sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> PTSD. <laughs> Uh, I love exactly. when he they did the he was looking at the Rey Mysterio and he punched the Rey Mysterio on the wall and he turns around and gong and it's a big taker yeah. coming down the ramp at, at WrestleMania uh, uh, poster wall art. I want that wall art by the way. If, if anybody knows where to get that, Jesus Christ, I would love to get a reprint well, of that. Next time you get a tour at uh, Titan <sighs> Towers, just you know grab it and run. No, I would I would legit buy one today if if somebody knew where to get one of those reprints. Anyway, um, 
AJ's, AJ's just going to become a, an acronym, AJPTSD. <laughs> and then he's looking for Ray. He opens the door, and it's just smoke and blue, and a coffin's in there for no reason. There's, there's a coffin in, in Titan Towers in a room. So Doink was hiding behind a chair. Stephanie McMahon was randomly standing against a wall where we couldn't see her when they entered the room in a conference chamber for no other reason than, you know, why, why not? She just lives there. Anyway, here's, all right. Here's, so, yeah. here's the last little thing. The madness. The last okay. little thing I want to say about as we're closing things out here. <sighs> Those of you that have been along for the ride since Aleister Black was in NXT, and, and one of the things that we speculated on was if they nail him, and I'm going to say I speculated on it because I don't know whether you agreed with this or not, I feel like Aleister could become the next sort of Undertaker style of figure, uh, an undead warlock kind of character you know, that had supernatural powers and all of that with his right. rise from the grave entrance mm-hmm. and all of that. They've mostly botched it to this point. You've just killed him. Yep. Resurrect his Now is your opportunity. Now you can do it. Oh, my God. You have such Except a golden did, opportunity here. Please don't mess Ray. it up. What are you going to – but you, you got Ray's dead I, now, too. What are you going to do? What are you going to resurrect him? Resurrect. Okay. Ba-dum-bum. Listen, yeah, uh, Ray, Ray has had his career – He's he's in his his twilight. So, so he's dead. So, so he's dead. So at, stay off. The- if if you're gonna go out, get hooked. Do you even listen? Do you even think about what you say before you say get it. Get hooked. If you're gonna go out, get hooked off of the top of a, of WWE oh headquarters. God. You know what a way to go most out. Ig- most ignominious way ever. Just no. I like a, I like want to a- see I want to see Ray gone for a little bit. But right now you've got an opportunity that you. By the way. We've all said we hated that AJ Styles just showed back up on Raw with no pomp and circumstance. He was just, yeah, I drove here. I was fine. You've now got an opportunity. You got a second chance at this with Aleister Black. Don't don't do the same thing, please. No, it's he didn't look at all supernatural in this whole match. Him being in this match and just kind of being a body there, I think has shown that's not how they perceive him. So I don't think they're going to make him supernatural. Sorry, sorry, Nick. They could. Let's talk about overall on the pay per view though. What did, what overall thoughts? Was the length two and a half hours of the actual main show, was that a plus or a minus? Did you like the breezy nature of it, or do you think they needed another half an hour or an hour or like four hours like we were getting last year? Um, I'm, I'm torn. I feel a little like we got all of our title defenses. I'm disappointed we didn't get the other titles like the U.S. title, the Intercontinental title, and the Raw tag titles on a pay-per-view, but I'm sitting. part of me is going, shit, I kind of like a two-hour pay-per-view. I'm... <laughs> This is this why we all liked Takeover so much because we didn't feel so worn down by the time we got to four or five hours uh, of of show. I'm torn. I don't know how I feel yeah. yet about one way or the other. I think I need a couple of days to digest, but I'm not that disappointed enough in seeing the. I think it, the other superstars might have gotten cheated a little bit out of some pay per view money, but maybe that's it. That's the only thing I'd be really upset about. I like the two and a half hour format. I think it works. Right. Yeah. It. It, I, I thought it was. I thought the breeziness of it was nice. Um, I didn't. I didn't mind it. I certainly don't need to watch a four-hour pay-per-view every time there's a pay-per-view. No. I, I've definitely. I, I I thought it was good. The unfortunate thing is, is they have such a huge roster, and there's so much going on that it does mean a lot of people don't get opportunities. So that's the downside for me of something short like this. But uh, at least in terms of you know my time and my day, and they can pack more entertainment into a shorter period of time. That. I'm not mad at, but overall, Nick, positive or negative feelings on this pay per view? Like, what 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 grade would you give it? B minus. At the end of the day, B minus. B minus. The the second half of the show 
solid. Like the, mm-hmm. the, the money on the roof, solid. Loved it. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed the hell out of it. It was a lot of fun. Good mixture of popcorn fodder, some comedy, some nostalgia, uh, some action. People, I mean, hell, who can be mad about seeing people get hucked off the roof? Two of them. Me. Me. Because it looked like shit. It meant nothing. <laughs> I can get mad at it. I, I just got mad at it. I'm going to stay mad at it. Stupid. Run. Get olayed by Baron Corbin, yeeted right off the roof. Off, so yeah. just, and he's wee. <laughs> so I, you know, I can't be too mad. For the split second that you could see him get yeeted before he falls into blackness yeah. and then nothing. We have no idea what happened. Well, I mean, he, he is Alistair Black, so. Horseshit. I, I, I think it's the. more exciting to watch frogs, mate. It was terrible. <laughs> it was a horrible spot. I think the, um, the fatal four-way tag match. Got unfortunately got spoiled on Friday. Had they not done yeah. that eight man tag and just had this, had them come out and promo at each other, maybe get physical. <laughs> oh, no. What? oh no, sorry, I'm sorry, Nick. I glanced over at the chat what? and someone, someone's putting some evil on us in there. Uh oh, what? Who? <laughs> someone's saying Ray's dead. Put the mask on Dominic. <laughs> oh, listen. If Dominic comes out masked, no, no, we are officially going on a mole hunt because somebody's been no. listening. <laughs> no, 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 no. All right, we're ending this. We got to end this before this before this goes any yes, further. Solid, uh, solid five B minus for me. Uh, yeah, the the B minus. The, the SmackDown Tag Championship, the the Lashley R Truth, and the Jesus, the the Tamina Bailey thing just all fell flat right there in the middle of the show. But the back nine was fantastic. Love well, it. I I thought more highly of the uh, R Truth Lashley thing than you did, but uh, at the same time, yeah, I thought it was mostly it was just a show yeah. it was there um nothing to stand out but the money in the bank match was insanity uh certainly we've not, we have not seen a whole lot of things like it ever if ever um and for better or for worse you know pe- two people won that we can't complain about i'm not mad at either winner and honestly given some of the decisions made in the past that says a lot you know what i will say here at the end as well is I don't feel I think I feel like I was cheated out of a traditional ladder match that we're used to having at Money in the Bank. Even though I loved what they gave us, one of the big things we always look forward to at Money in the Bank is that ladder match. Yeah. For a if good solid least, 30 min, 30 to 60 minutes of guys just getting false spots on just ladders everywhere. Yeah. We didn't I know really how get you that. are, Nick. If you don't have at least four or five spots where people just agonizingly slowly claw, crawl up a ladder, it's not a ladder match for it's you. It's not the crawling it's not up, a, it's, it's the falling off <laughs> that I miss. <laughs> yeah. So at the end of the day, yeah, so it, it, it was a, it was a pay-per-view. Yeah. It happened. It was not bad. No. That's probably the best thing we can say about it. No. And the right people have the briefcases. I'm, it's, I'm actually excited to see where we go from here with a lot of the things they set up on the show. And that's also something that's good to say about it. Yeah. So there you go. So that just happened. Uh, it was, it was madness and more madness will be coming uh, tomorrow on Monday Night Raw, come back and check in with us on Tuesday at uh, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 Eastern, yes. as we go live here on YouTube to talk about the fallout from Money in the Bank. And, of course, we'll be back with our regular show next Saturday as well to talk about everything else that happened during the week. But we hope you guys enjoyed the show. Hope you enjoyed Money in the Bank. Nick, take us home. Yeah, guys. Join us in Facebook. Find us on Discord, bwopodcast.com, Twitter and Instagram, at bwopodcast. 
Patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers. It is the best way to support the show. Thank you to all of our phenomenal ones, and thank you to everybody that joined us here live, both in the Discord for Money in the Bank tonight, Mm. as well as here in the chat for the after show and the after party. Thank you guys for all of the love and the support. We really appreciate it. But my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But my God! Somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.